Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Inside the Sequel, the podcast where we talk about sequel movies that don't get enough love or attention, and we just want to bring awareness to them. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Chris Hurtado, and I am excited to bring you a new episode where we talk about the 2019 smash sequel hit, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. Oh, my God, this is amazing. This summer. What's going on? Fear. Runs. Have to get back up to the top. Deep. I'm so scared. Forty-seven meters down. Rated PG-13. Uh, and today, with forty-seven meters down, um, uncaged. I have a first-time guest who I'm excited to bring on. She's been a follower of mine, and you know, just a supporter of the podcast, which is awesome. And I love having, um, you know, people on. And you know, I also see her Twitter account has some really good opinions a few hot takes which is really nice to see on twitter um but i have aaron mcgurk aaron how are you i'm so good i'm very excited to be here yeah and you i when i messaged you about being on i think the first time was earlier in the year and it was like oh wait i'm actually just gonna take six months off without telling anybody (laughs) and then i was like hey can i get you back on for this one Yeah, I was very excited to hear from you again. I fully understand a good six-month break, (laughs) so I get it. You're one of the few people on Twitter that's like, oh, Chris is messaging me about being on the podcast. Like, that's awesome. Usually it's like a... No, I love whenever I love anybody reaching out to me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I any any opportunity to talk about movies with people that actually want to talk about movies instead of me like talking at them, I'll always take that opportunity. <laughs> well, what I always really liked about your the, the stuff you post on Twitter, it's like a lot of horror stuff opinions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I'm a big horror fan. A lot of the people I podcast with um, more regularly are are like horror fans. So it's like, it's always nice to like see other people's opinions, like outside of like your small circle. And uh, I've always liked your, your, your posts on that stuff. Um, and I can see in the back, like you have a couple like masks and you have like the Blu-ray collection, the DVD collection too. So it's like, you know. Yeah, I love horror is such an interesting genre to me because I was terrified of everything as a kid. I didn't get into the genre until high school. Um, and I, I watched the first movie I really got into was Scream, which I feel like is a lot of people's story with the genre. Um, but I was home alone at night and I watched it just with the lights out and I had to look up who the killers were before it ended, which is probably sacrilege. Um, but I was so scared. I like could, I had to know to get through it or else I like couldn't watch it. Um, so it's definitely been like a journey. Um, but yeah, which also makes my collection interesting because I've slowly been building up my DVD and Blu-rays of horror because most of them were mediocre comedies from the 2000s because I was born in 97 so that was a lot of mediocre comedies <laughs> were my go-to and still are honestly um mm-hmm. so yeah that's so cool I, and then when you say like horror collecting it's like it's such an expensive hobby 
<laughs> oh gosh, I know. I am thankful every day that I work somewhere that I get a good discount on movies. Um, mm. Or else, oh gosh, it's so bad. I I actively have to stop myself for months right. at a time from buying right. something. I, when I worked at GameStop, like that was the big thing. Although the difference was, I was like a gamer, but I didn't like buy a lot of games. So it was like, now I need to buy collectibles now. And then it's like, now if you look behind me, it's like I have a bunch of figures and like collectible stuff too. And it's like, oh man, I'm just yeah. a giant kid at this point. Oh, same. I'm so bad with collect. I There's a bookcase beside me that you can't see that's filled <laughs> with my collectible stuff and another um, partition with more collectible stuff. <laughs> um, it's like, I have an actual problem um, <laughs> with collecting stuff. I like don't know how to stop. It's like my one thing uh, that I spend active money on is like movies and collectibles. Mm-hmm. that's why movie and like horror especially horror movies like it's hard to collect because it like if it facilitates the different aspects it's like the movies but then you get like figures collectibles but then it's mm-hmm. like t-shirts then and then you get posters and then it's like pretty soon i'm gonna start having to move to like movie memorabilia and then that's when i have to look in the mirror and be like okay like take a breath like chill no out. My entire wardrobe is horror movie t-shirts. It's like really, <laughs> it's like so gross. I wish I was joking. I have like 10 things hanging and like three bins of horror movie t-shirts. It's, and I can't even wear them to work. I like just have them. That's like my buddy Daniel. He like will wear like a lot of different movie rotation tees. And it's like, I really call it a rotation because it's like, I see these very regularly, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah. It's just like, it's just like a bad habit. <laughs> it is. But, I agree. But you said you, you got started with scream. Uh, like, were you like, when you grew up, like, were you a big Wes Craven fan then like with the horror movie genre or were like you big into you wearing a Friday the 13th t-shirt. So like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. was it Sean Cunningham that got you in or what? Um, so it was definitely Wes Craven. Um, I started scream, like I said, and then, um, I think I went to nightmare on Elm street next. Um, also, the beginning of my hot takes, as you mentioned, that I have on Twitter, which I have learned being on Twitter that I have unpopular movie opinions, um, <laughs> starting with I am not a fan of the original Halloween at all. Um, so <laughs> I am so sorry to say that. Um, so I started with the slashers for sure. Um, Halloween was like thrown in after Nightmare on Elm Street and um, I diverted back to <laughs> Friday the 13th then. Um, But yeah, so slashers, I I have a soft spot for slashers, I think, because I found them easiest to start with. I don't really know why. I just am drawn to them. I think that's, sorry, um, I think that's why I like this movie a lot, not to (laughs) start there yet, Um, but it's like a, um, it's a shark slasher movie is what this movie is to me, and I love it. That's such a good way to put it, a shark slasher. (laughs) That is really good. Wow, that is such a hot take that I love it. Uh, I'm a big, I'm personally more of a fan of the second Nightmare on Elm Street than the first one. Mm, okay, fun. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, like a lot of my friends are like, well, yeah, we already know that, Chris. But same thing with like Friday the 13th, though. I like Friday the 13th Part 2 with uh, mm-hmm. Steve Miner way more than the first one. Absolutely um, same thing. Agreed. I mean, honestly, with Halloween too, I like two more than the first one. Um, that one was a pill that was a little bit longer to get into my system but like the more i watched too i was like i think i like this one more than the first yeah um, i'm trying to think I, like anymore but i can't i know <laughs> i i definitely um i think because i've i've watched a lot of the originals so many times over and over that i've just like not that i've grown bored of them i do find that 
with myself and it's why I have such weird taste in movies I think it's just like I get bored of movies very easily I love movies <laughs> so much and I haven't even seen so many it's just I love weird stuff um mm-hmm. <laughs> so I yeah a lot of the Friday sequels and the Nightmare sequels get so weird um so I definitely like lean towards that even with that said though like part two of Friday 13th is I probably made my favorite with okay. final chapter I feel like that's popular opinions that like two and final chapter maybe Jason lives is like a very popular opinion now yeah. which I get I also love Jason lives but two and four hold special places to me yeah I say I you know I recently just covered uh the fifth one a new beginning and that was a first mm. time watch for me okay and I know that one's not very well regarded but I think four and five is kind of like a stretch where it's like this is probably some of the strongest points of the entire franchise right there I agree. I five, I don't love five, but it has like such memorable points to me, like such good kills, especially that like, I think it's worth it to watch them. It's just like such a weird movie. I mean, even just like the greasers randomly being in it, like just like weird (laughs) shit like that. I just like, I love, it's just like, I don't know, low budget, weird eighties slashers like that. Just like tickle me a bit. Um, but so do, you know, I, mm-hmm. I any kind of, it can be any budget, weird, shitty movie yeah. and I'll love it. I love how the eighties are just like the lightning rod for people in like when it yeah. comes to horror movies. But then it's like, for me, it was like, yeah, obviously like the, the, the iconic slashers and like, mm-hmm. like, you know, and then from there on their sequels and then, when I went to college and I met Daniel and we started watching more movies together and stuff like that. Then I started going into the different subgenres, like, excuse me, like body horror, you know? And then it's like Italian slasher films. And it's like, wow, like this stuff's really good. And then on my own time, you know, I started getting into more like early 2000 slashers and horror, which is like mm-hmm. the weirdest, like the weirdest point of like, I think slash or just horror movies. Cause you get things like, you know, one missed call you know, yeah. and then you can get things like Rob Zombie, which is awesome. And then you can just get a boatload of like directed DVD. But then you also get like uh, you talked about Scream. You get like the um, the Scream um, like imitation ones. You know, mm-hmm. like Urban Legend. I watched for the first time, uh, yeah. like, you know, not that long ago, and I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. And Daniel's kind of right. Is that Jared Leto's best performance? Maybe because it probably oh, God. is. Probably. I mean, can't think of any better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, like I said, I grew up in the, the 2000s. So like, I have, I definitely have a soft spot for, um, like PG 13 horror, which I also feel like is highlighted today. Cause this is a PG 13 <laughs> horror. Um, yeah. and maybe those where it stems from. So like, like I was, again, I was scared of everything as a child. However, um, shit like prom night, the remake, I have like oh. a soft spot for it. And I remember watching really young. Um, I was terrified of one mixed call as a kid but I did watch it young um and like but yeah like shit like that is I also I <laughs> I love okay <laughs> before I go on that tangent um have you listened to um Austerion, the podcast um oh no it's what is Sam that? Weinman it's Sam Weinman and Jordan Cruciola um and they give like the criterion treatment to like uh aughts slasher horror movies not just slashers but horror movies in general that's Um, awesome it's a brilliant podcast i like listen to it so much um and i think like listening to them has really um got me not like rethinking a lot of that era but just the way that they explain it 
is much better than I ever could. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say is go listen to that podcast for really like great thoughts about that kind of era of horror. Um, Cause I, I think it needs to be appreciated more and they, they appreciate it. And I yeah. love that. No, no kidding. And then you get like some of those remakes in the early 2000s, like those, the, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen them, but uh, like the Texas Chainsaw remake. Um, then you get things like, uh like the hills run red the hills have eyes remakes mm-hmm. and stuff like that a lot of like angsty horror movies yeah. that, i love that I, oh me too and i i so the reason i brought up austerian is the something they talk about a lot with um 2000s era horror is um the excess of it um and that's something that i definitely enjoy about that era and it's something that i think is prominent in like 80s slashers i think that's what i like it's just like more 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 bodies more more boobs more blood you know um (laughs) and i i think that same uh precedent is set in the 2000s um i just wrote a piece for certified forgotten about uh texas chainsaw massacre the next generation and how it was like uh, a preemptive movie to those kind of 2000s um sequels made for tv sequels Mm -hmm. remakes um and how weird and over the top it is um it's just it's it's a really interesting time for horror again that just like doesn't get appreciated enough um and i think a lot of that has to do with i think a lot of it is because it's i'm sorry i'm going on a weird tangent um but i think a lot of it has to do with that there's so many remakes and so many people are are so precious about their original movies um that anybody that has like a start with like I have more of my nostalgia for those 2000s era movies more than I do mm-hmm. for 2010s or for sorry for 2010s for 1980s I obviously mm-hmm. wasn't alive um so like I I I don't know it's just one of those eras of horror that um I think is not critically looked at enough I guess is what is more important no you I think you hit the nail right on the uh, the head of the coffin because uh, I totally agree. That's kind of like something like with this podcast, we've tried to like let people know that the, you know, there's other horror movies besides like the, the mainstay big names because, you know, everyone, you know, likes these movies to some capacity and knows about these movies. But like, if we all, if you live in a society where we all said we all like Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we, I mean, yeah, we all do That's, too, you know? Yeah, but exactly. Like, but if someone said, yeah but if someone said like if you said like the next generation you know is like mm-hmm. your favorite i'd be like over two i gotta listen to your your piece on that you know what i and mean to be, and get- to be fair it is not my favorite but okay. i do appreciate it very much i would like to state that but i love it i loved it more than i remembered since it was it i yeah i didn't remember i i sorry that was really bad stuttering um but i had originally seen next generation when i was young um just the very first part of it and all i remember is renee zellweger and matthew mcconaughey being weird and going i remember it being centered around prom and i couldn't figure out a way to like incorporate this in the article but when i was that young i the title sequence opens with like based on a true story um may 22nd 1996 which is a year before I was born. My, I was born oh. on May 22nd, 97. So like yes. as a young kid, I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, so, and I knew that like Texas Chainsaw was based on true. So I thought that that was a remake of Texas Chainsaw. So mm. I hadn't seen Texas Chainsaw, the original until like two years ago, probably. Um, and I had like no knowledge of it except vaguely of Next Generation. And I thought it was a remake. Very interesting perception of that 
franchise. I guess. Yeah, I would get so scarred if like a movie opened up and the date was like a year before my birth. I would. Be yeah, like, I don't know. It really fucked me up when I was a kid. I was like immediately <laughs> so scared. And again, I was terrified of everything. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and I didn't. I lasted a half an hour and then I went home. Right. It's weird because like when I was growing up, like I got shown like the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, mm. Friday the 13th, like Nightmare on Elm Street. No big deal um dressed up as freddy krueger in like fourth or fifth grade you know but then it's yeah. like snakes on a plane is a movie and i watch that and i'm freaking terrified of snakes and i watch anaconda uh-huh. one or two and it's shitty cgi but i still like put a cover over my feet because like i'm like kind of freaked out by seeing just like snakes on screen you know it's yeah. like it doesn't make sense <laughs> mm-hmm. i love that because it's so i always find what people actually find scary about horror especially being on like horror twitter um and like I feel like there's always a thing of like horror isn't scary anymore and I'm like that's just not true it's just like you might be just desensitized and I think a lot of people of my generation are desensitized with the internet and being deeply prominent um but like I think there are still like carnal things that scare you if you watch like just like watching a home invasion for instance I feel like yes. it's one of those things that like just innately scares you no matter who you are like mm-hmm. stuff like that where I'm like I I I always hate the rhetoric of like they don't make good horror nowadays. I'm like, you're not watching good horror. That sounds like a you problem, not like a genre problem because there's fantastic horror being made nowadays. Boom, yes, Aaron, <laughs> you hit it right there. That's what I like to hear. I love horror so much. <laughs> it's, it's the best. It's like people are like, oh, PG-13 movies aren't scary anymore. I'm like, Ugh. my brother in Christ, you just watched Human Centipede 2, the sequence. Like, that's your own fucking fault. You ruined it for yourself. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Ugh. there's so, I, and I deeply appreciate, so- Oh my gosh, I'm hitting my microphone. I love PG-13 horror. I'm a big defender of it. As somebody that was so scared of stuff growing up, I think it's so important to have those gateway horror movies uh, for like a younger audience that Mm -hmm. isn't like horrifying. And like people, I think about this a lot with like queer media as a lesbian that like not everything is made for everybody. Like Mm -hmm. some, some people will watch something like Happiest Season, for instance, so random. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Going from a horror to a lesbian rom-com Christmas movie. But there were so many people talking about uh, how it was another coming out story. And I fully understood that. But as somebody that didn't come out until their 20s, uh, it was like I gave it, it was like the most impactful movie to me. It was like one of those movies that I just felt like was made for me. Like, and ob- like objectively, subjectively, whatever words. But like, I don't care like I like how good of a movie it actually is when it gets to that point if it's like it so deeply resonates with me that I'm gonna give it five stars that went completely random but that movie was big when it came out though it was like it was it was a big talking point movie and I know a couple of my friends saw it and like like oh you should watch it's really good and I was like oh yeah I do need to check that out um but then it's like it's weird I kind of get tapped out with Christmas movies like a week after December starts yeah you know what I mean um, yeah, I, I'm not a Christmas person at all. Mm-hmm. I hate Christmas, in fact. Um, but I, <laughs> I am, in fact, a Grinch. But um, I do like Christmas <laughs> movies. Like at, at the very least, I'll watch Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird that some people like will have like subject matter like their movies, especially like if it's certain horror movies, and they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't care for it. And it's like if like people watch the the new the the the, the Fetty Alves um, Evil Dead, it's like it's not as good as original. You know, it's not same Raimi's like vision. It's like you went in with preconceived notions. That movie's fucking awesome. Like, oh, I, you yes. know what I mean? So, I 
Yes. This is, again, I'm so, I will keep this tangent short, but like, I am a big, big defender. So I'm very excited to be here of uh, remakes, reboots, and sequels. I love, I love like stuff <laughs> that does something new with IP. I think there's different, different factions of those kind of movies of like stuff that's just a cash grab and stuff that's just using the IP, whatever. Um, and then there's stuff um, that I, uh, something I think I'll bring up multiple times throughout this. Um, I know what you did last summer, the TV series on Amazon Prime. Ooh. I was a huge fan of. Not many people were. It got canceled after one season. Sad times. No um, way. It, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, not well-liked. Um, and another shout-out, Austerion uh, podcast again. They have, like, a beat-by-beat episode. <laughs> like, part of it. It's very good. Um, they were the other two people watching the show. Um, but it uh, had, like pretty much it gives a big fuck you to the <laughs> i know you did last summer series it has the concept of a killer that like saw that you a group of teens killed somebody the summer before and like that's it it's set in hawaii it has it's twins and their group of friends like it has nothing to do with it and that's what i love about it like i i just like love filmmakers taking a similar concept and making it their own i think is what's so interesting that people can do with sequels and remakes and reboots mm-hmm. um and brianne shu is who is in uh this movie is in i know you did last summer the series which is why we'll be bringing it up <laughs> multiple times you're just like speaking my language with like some of these thoughts so it's like i know a lot of listeners are probably like aaron like we stand like okay oh, that's good. a check that i didn't even know there was a, a amazon prime show i still need to catch yeah. up with the scream show that was on um Hulu, so, but moved to netflix i think so i will also be talking about the scream series uh <laughs> multiple times throughout this brian Chu was also in the scream series um mm. i uh love the scream series deeply this is again one of my big unpopular opinions that at the scream it was an MTV series. Uh, the Scream, MTV Scream is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, <laughs> which is, sounds insane. I've seen it probably in like the double digits. I rewatched 47 Years Down and Caged again yesterday, watched Brand Shoe and went, mm, I want to start rewatching Scream again. So then I put on the pilot last night and watched it. And I will be continuing to do another rewatch after this, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah. Um, but I like, so I have a specifically, I'm a big fan of horror TV um, and those like TV reboots. There's TV reboots is very popular right now. Um, and I, one day we'll pitch and write a piece about it because I have written an extensive like breakdown about uh, the different variations of TV reboots that have come out, um, especially after uh, Saved by the Bell <laughs> reboot, mm-hmm. another one that nobody watched and got canceled quickly, which I think is one of the best TV shows of the past couple years um, and is by far one of the best reboots of the past decade. Um, and it makes me sad nobody watched it. Um, yeah, so I am happy to... St- shout out those shows right now <laughs> i wonder because like you know you hear about legacy sequels mm-hmm. you know and you see it in some horror movies too like the newest scream is in some ways that that kind yeah. of thing um but you, you're just making points to uh movie horror movies that turn into tv shows like you get scream you get chucky uh and i think oh there was the evil dead ashford's the evil dead as right, well yeah i'm wondering well obviously the recent texas chainsaw massacre movie kind of didn't do it but I'm wondering if that might be the next step in some capacities for some horror movie franchise. Like, would the Friday the 13th, and instead of getting, I mean, we haven't had a movie in like since 09, I wonder if like they would do just like a TV show instead or like yeah. a Nightmare on Elm Street TV show. 
since we haven't gotten a fucking movie for that since who knows when they're doing a they're doing a pennywise tv show you know what i mean mm. with, about dairy so i'm wondering you might be onto something that that might be like the next step because like i think legacy sequels are like dying with like Agreed. the jurassic world dominion debacle and i say <laughs> debacle it's just shit but um mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I wonder if that's going to be the case for a lot of these horror franchises. I think that would be a great direction to go. I mean, like, I know that TV is so, like, overpopulated right now. But, gosh, there's such good horror TV. Like, horror, I think, really thrives in an episodic format. Um, Like, I... I and like I love movies so much, but I do think TV a lot of the times is where my heart lies. Hence why I keep bringing it up, I guess. Um, but there, I just find so many interesting opportunities. And like, I think a lot of those shows. It's interesting that a lot of them are slashers because you wouldn't think of them to work as TV shows. Um, and I think Scream was definitely one of the first ones. Um, it was also airing at the same time as Scream Queens on Fox. Um, that all I think both of those in tandem were really like, hey, this can work um, in an episodic format and it's really fun and interesting to watch. Um, and I think that started a bit of a trend, but I think it'd be interesting, like the Exorcist series, uh, I haven't watched, but I heard it was amazing. Um, more of like that kind of horror uh, made into episodic television over slashers, I think would be interesting. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Okay. I like this conversation and I think cause you're the new, you're first time guest here. I always have to ask, like, you know, we're talking, you've t- you mentioned a bunch of different sequel movies. Like what, besides even horror, I know you love horror, but you can mention a few too, but um, mm-hmm. whatever you like, are you a big fan of sequels? I think you've already answered that, but like, just to reiterate and like, are there a few that you want to shout out really quickly to put on like the public, like film Twitter eyes, like, or ears, I guess that uh, like, these are some sequels that Aaron likes and like, you should be checking them out because you're really fucking missing out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I love sequels. Um, I, uh, a sequel that I really, really love a franchise in general that I will eternally shout out and does not get any appreciation, um, is the, my super psycho sweet 16 series. (laughs) It was an MTV made for TV movies. It's a trilogy. Um, uh, the first one came out in 2009 and I think it was 2010, 2011. Um, you can only watch them they're for you have to purchase them for three dollars on itunes that's the only way to get them they're like episodes of television but it's worth it it is so worth it so the first one um i also have a piece on certified forgotten about so you can read that if you're interested in my opinions about it spoiler alert they're very strong it's one of my favorite movies (laughs) um but the sequel is like not joking right up there it is a fantastic sequel um that follows the same characters that expands on like sky is her the final girl um expands on her world while still very much being a sky story it's just like um so good and for a made for tv movie the kills are just like fucking phenomenal i mean there is stuff in those series that stuck in my brain for ever until like i randomly saw somebody mention my super psycho c16 on twitter and i was like oh my god i loved those movies when i was young um (laughs) and again like pg-13 tv horror that i could stand um before I got into the genre. So definitely that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, probably, I guess this isn't underappreciated, but I always like shout out Final Destination 3 um, because yes! I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a big Mary Elizabeth Winstead bitch. Um, yes. She's like one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, mm-hmm. And I 
one of okay so one of my big big frustrations about 2000s movies um is cgi um just bad cgi really frustrates me i'm a big practical effects person um so it's so frustrating when you look at like behind the scenes stuff of final destination 3 and know that it was like a lot of practical effects that were just covered with shitty cgi blood um Mm -hmm which sucks um but like so much of that is so good oh okay so this is not horror and this is so random and very much highlights my mediocre 2000s (laughs) comedy taste um bring on all or nothing is a perfect movie um (laughs) hot take um as a huge fan of hayden penitier as i think many horror people are right now especially with their coming back with scream six um she gives like such a stellar comedic performance in that movie it's just beyond um yeah and i think people should watch it more and that's it <laughs> that's like uh that's like um like boozy anthony boozy from the terror table one of his like uh unbrash like opinions is like he loves um blue crush too like mm, okay <laughs> and uh my partner charlie she also loves blue crush too <laughs> so we're trying to get that um that you know, that son of a bitch back on so we can talk about that. But if Hell yeah. you like it too, I mean, now I'm kind of like thinking, hey, Boozy, there's someone else out there. You're not special, you know? Heck yeah. I love all mediocre sequels. There was, what? Oh man. Oh no, it wasn't that. It was um, Into the Blue. Into the Blue 2 um, has uh, Parvati and Amanda from Survivor uh, in cameo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just iconic. Um, so that's also a stellar weird sequel about the ocean i love how you you just talked about like two things i really like which was the final the final decision three and um hayden penitentiary because it's like final decision three was like one of those franchises growing up where it's like it freaked me out but i loved it yeah like, literally going on roller coasters was like one of my favorite things watch that movie not about it but kind of dipping my toe back into it because like mm-hmm. i like the thrill of it also those first three final destination movies are just like comfort food for me like they're just easy yeah. to watch movies um, and then Hayden Panettariot I don't think she meant to but I think she unintentionally became like one of the best like horror movie characters ever with her characters mm-hmm. Kirby in Scream 4 like that's like one of the best horror movie performances like I think because like she's like so honest and earnest about it and like her character is awesome and believable and uh she's like like she should be like the mascot for like the good horror fans you know what I mean (laughs) yes yeah 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 and like that's definitely something I think that will something that I think will pop up multiple times throughout this podcast um is that I have a soft spot for just like specific actors that are in a lot of things so Mm -hmm. I uh like I said watch Scream first so the Scream movies were like immediate go-tos um when I started my journey of horror so I've always loved Kirby um but I always was like I feel like it might just be because I love Hayden Penetier because I've always loved her um I was a big like heroes person when I was a kid mm-hmm. too. Um, Shout out heroes. <laughs> <laughs> for real, that first season's mm-hmm. a masterpiece. Um, mm-hmm. But so I, so then it was so fun to like join, go on horror Twitter and have everybody else like deeply love Kirby. And I'm like, oh, okay, these are my people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kirby is like, we stand her. Yes. Uh, so you're talking about like really good, like core movies. And then now we're going to be talking about shark, um, an unhinged shark movie. Heck yeah. Um, and when I asked, like, you know, which movies you were into, and you said 47 meters um on cage, I was like, I'd never have seen those. I'd been wanting to, but I'll be honest, um, Aaron, like there's so many shark movies. Like, mm, even yes. I, and you know, I've part of it's my fault. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Jaws from you know, like I'm just not that big of a fan of it. And uh 
I know I'm the worst. Um, it's okay. I think his, his name's like Steven Midberg in my opinion, but, uh, <laughs> but then it's like, you get things like Sharknado, you know, and that mm-hmm. stuff. A masterpiece. And, yeah. <laughs> like I seen the first one, but, uh, then you get a bunch of those and it just, it just slowly became like, if you could get a CGI shark on screen, you got a movie basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely. Kind of, so I didn't know where to like, you know, unironically dip my toe in any of those. And, yeah. um, when you said 47 meters, I was like, that just the title alone sounds really interesting. And then um, the director of those movies, Johannes Roberts, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, I think um, so. He, uh, he did the Welcome to Raccoon City movie that recently came out. And uh, honestly, probably one of my least favorite theater experiences of my entire life. Like Ooh, it's, I've never gone, I've never gone to a movie where 10, 10 to 15 minutes into the movie, not even like the, like the previews and everything, but like 10, 15 minutes into the actual movie, I was like, I'm already done with it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm just like checked out. Like, yeah. it was weird. I, that's never happened to me. And uh, I was so bummed because I love the Resident Evil franchise that uh, Paul W. Sanderson had done and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the franchise in general, but that movie just really put a sour taste in my mouth. And I was like, who is this fucker? Like, who, what did he do <laughs> like to get this role? Also, why can't they fucking do a good Resident Evil product? You know, like, yeah, my friends and I talk about that. I'm like, why can't they? It's like a perfect recipe. (laughs) Um, But then I saw he directed these 47 meters movies. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no fucking way. So it's like, I have to check these movies out and see like if he was he's like my Gareth Gareth Edwards of the sorts with like Godzilla 2014. Ah, this SOB. It's like I just have a sour taste with this person. So I got to check out. the Yeah. But then, you know, Gareth Edwards also did. um uh, monsters which i really like um mm. and then so it's like you know watch it 47 meters down i like that first movie and i was pleasantly surprised but you did it which i was i was really excited to record and like hear your opinions on that first one before we even get started on the sequel yeah i was curious about hearing your thoughts um because you hadn't seen them before so i first of all find it so interesting that uh these movies are made by the same creative team because I find them very different um it it like it reminds me a lot of like the Magic Mike movies which actively blows my mind that they're made by the same creative team because there's I hate the first Magic Mike movie and I think Magic Mike XXL is a phenomenal movie um so it's so confusing to me um and this is like the same I rewatched 47 meters down the first one um earlier in the week to prepare for this and i still deeply deeply disliked it i scrubbed through the last 30 minutes i couldn't even (laughs) sit there and finish it i think it i don't i i don't know what it is about it i find it very boring um I, I think the entire like first act and beginning of the second act is interesting and tense and scary. And then I just get bored. And then I'm never a fan of the spoiler. If you haven't seen it, the like, it's all a dream. It's not a dream. Oh my She's gosh. Yeah. But like, I just hate, and that was like 20 minutes of the movie. And I just hate, I just, at, at that point, that was my uh, tap out the first time I watched it. And I also my favorite uh, animated movie is Tangled. So hearing Mandy Moore's voice without really seeing her talk just makes me think of Tangled, unfortunately, (laughs) which is not a detriment to the movie. It's just a me thing. (laughs) Uh, I agree. The hallucination thing, I was like, there is no way in hell they actually did that. Fucking hated it. Yeah, I couldn't believe they did that. Uh, it did take me out a little bit. I think I like the premise and like the, the, the fact that they were actually in the cage and it did a good job of like suspense. Um, of the unknown 
But then mm-hmm. there were some parts where it did drag. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but still better than Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I don't have opinions um, about it, but um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Good. Someone's taking my word on this. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, one day I'll have Gareth Edwards on this podcast and I can just sit down face to face with him and just be like, listen, this is what you did, man. You know, but it's funny because then he also did Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which I also oh really God. like Rogue One. I yeah. love Rogue One. Uh, maybe an unpopular opinion is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, but I mean, I can I mean, Solo and Last me. Jedi are up there. So for me, so don't, don't you're in, you're in good company. That's um, good because I haven't seen Solo, but I do do love <laughs> I do love Last Jedi so much. Um, yeah, but I haven't well, seen any of the shows, so I'm not a big Star Wars person. Don't yell at me. For it. <laughs> no. uh, but I do agree though, because there were some parts for four. I think 47 meters for me. Like it had a good startup, like a good premise, mm-hmm. but then it's like, I agree. Some of the acting was a little meh, but like the, act, I'm just blown away by the actual fact that they did fall into the water and figure out a <laughs> yeah. way. But then I felt really stupid in like wondering like how deep 47 meters actually was. <laughs> no, for, I have no concept of distance. People, <laughs> I, for real, I feel dumb about it a lot. I don't know. That, I'm just like, wow, that's deep. Do I know how deep that is? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, sucks. Yeah. yeah. And I like, I had like the LED lights on all on blue. So it felt like I was really immersed in it. So um, that could have helped help too. But 47 meters after I watched it immediately put on a second one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, maybe people are like, oh, of course it's, you know, Chris is going to say this, but I think the second one started off so strong. It sucked me in and I care about these characters so much more. It is a batshit crazy movie. And I really liked it. Yay. I'm so happy you liked it because I agree 100% with all of that. I mean, where did you like, maybe you know better than I do, but 47 meters, like, I don't know why I can't remember it like being advertised. In fact, I I, I got confused for a second with the shallow. I think the shallow Uh is what it's called. Yeah. And then I was like, is that one? Yeah. And I was like, I thought that was 47 meters, but then I was like, oh, maybe like, there's also like Meg, the Meg, you know, mm-hmm. I remember going also to the, see the Meg, <laughs> you know, so um, it's like, they got me confused for sure. And I mean, like I, so I remember when 47 meters down came out. Cause again, I am a Mandy Moore fan, <laughs> you know, it didn't sound like it, but like I am, I grew up with Mandy Moore. So I do love her. So I, I'm a media and I love shark movies. So I was like, okay, I'm into it. Um, and then didn't like it. So I do remember 47 meters down on cage being advertised um, and not wanting to see it because I hated the first one. Um, so I was like, why would I do that? Um, so I didn't watch it until like, I think a year after it came out. I watched it in 2020. I double checked, um, which the reason. So talking about shark movies and shark sequels, uh, the reason I watched it um, when I did is because I had watched Deep Blue Sea 3 the day before. I like was looking through my letterbox to double check. Um, <laughs> and Deep Blue Sea 3 is also a top notch sequel that people should watch. I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea 2, um, but I remember Deep Blue Sea 3 when it came out because it came out during the pandemic. Um, and there was like watch parties on Twitter. Um, people were like, yo, this is like low-key a good movie. And I was like, okay, interesting. So I watched it and it is, it's like so fun. It's so, I, and I, again, so I am a shark movie person. My cats are named Brody and Hooper after Jaws. Um, <laughs> so again, one of my many hot takes, Jaws 3 is my favorite <laughs> sequel. <Woo>! Of the- <laughs> I'm a big Dennis Quaid fan. <laughs> um, oh but- no, the Quaid. <laughs> 
I, I'm starting to not like Jack Quaid now too. I started watching the boys Ugh. and I was like, oh, Jack okay, Quaid and it's the new Scream movie. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing about the Quaids. Interesting. I love Jack Quaid because I also just started watching the boys. Oh. <laughs> um, so that's so funny. Um, yeah. Cause also I just watched, sorry, this is a side tangent. I just watched the hunger games for the first time. I watched the hunger games movies cause they it's- felt, um, relative, like, <laughs> on point with what's happening in society um yeah. and I they were so so hyped up when I was in high school because it came out in 2012 and I was like a sophomore in high school um and I am a hipster I don't like to watch popular things um because I suck there's really no reason except that they're popular um I will get around to them eventually they're popular for a reason and they're good clearly since a billion years later I finally watched the hunger games um <laughs> and it's a masterpiece I get it um but I uh but no, so Jack Quaid is in the original Hunger Games, oh. and I was like shocked to see him because he played a high schooler in um, the Tragedy Girls. He was he played a high schooler in Tragedy Girls in like 2017, yeah, 2017. And I was like, that man's a full adult. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And my I remember my mom, who I watched it with, being like, that man looks like an adult, and he was. <laughs> um, but still, I enjoy Jack Quaid. Anyway, that was such a crazy, unnecessary tide side tangent. I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> it's weird. You said Deep Blue Sea three, and that's like I'm right. trying to remember. Was Deep Blue Sea? Is that the one where Samuel Jackson he gives it a is. speech to the? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yes. I didn't even know they made sequels to that. Yeah. So um, I don't know when the second one came out. I think it was like a like pretty quickly after the first one. But then, yeah, the third one like just came out two years ago. See what I mean? There's so many freaking shark movies. I know. Yeah. Um, so that's and I like hate about- to be that guy, but all these great whites kind of look the same. Like, I don't want to like judge a shark based on like, you know, no, they're, they're all great I- whites. Yeah, I agree. And it's why I love this movie and 47 Years Down on Cage, because yes, they are gray whites, but I love the way they look, which is for mm-hmm. sure in a popular opinion. Um, I think it's so cool. Also, I, I think shark movies to like, like spice it up, throw a hammerhead shark or like the, the yeah. chainsaw nose ones and shit, you know? Yeah, for like um, bull sharks are like, uh, like so they caused so many shark attacks in like Australia um, <laughs> I feel like I heard that somewhere on Shark Week that don't quote me on that <laughs> um, but yeah I I definitely agree it's, it's always great whites and I think you know it's because they're all in some way they'll always try and be Jaws I, I feel like in some like I thought about that um, watching Uncaged because there's um, like a jump scare that is very Jaws-esque with the one guy's head coming up and um mm. And it reminds me of like um, slashers, I guess not specifically slashers, but horror movies recently um, have been uh, referencing The Shining a lot and it drives Mm -hmm. me crazy. Um, I can, uh, the most recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre X and there was a third one that I'm not going to remember, but they all do like the tracking axe shot against the door that's like oh oh fear street 1970 78 77 um -hmm. also does it because i just rewatched that and i beg people to stop doing that um same with like the jaws thing because all it does is remind me of better movies (laughs) Mm, good point um like i under like i understand and i think like if they're subtle enough like even fear street when it that was the first of those three that did it i was like oh fun but now it's like so many people do it. And it's like same with like that Jaws jump scare with like the head coming out is was very, it's very popular, re- popularly recreated. Um, yeah. So I just, uh, I enjoy when stuff is different because um, shark movies, I do feel like can get very repetitive because 
is a shark killing them a lot. Um, and again, one of the many things I like about Uncaged because uh, I think there's very there's a great variety of ways they die. Also, I just like the coolest setting for a yes. shark movie because it's so like cool. when I explained to people like I mean, Aaron, when you recommended these movies that I watched them, I was feverishly telling random people that I know like, hey, movies you should check out. You should check out the uh, 47 meters down, um, uh, 40 meters down movie because like the second one's really good and it's crazy. And they're like, okay, so what's it about? And I'm like, oh, it's about these girls who go into an a- underwater Aztec temple. Yeah. <laughs> um, first of like, all, they do not go 47 meters down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like start that off the bat, um, which I like, again, I think it's so interesting that it's like, cause it is a sequel um, is of the same name, but it has nothing to do with the original, um, except for like themes, um, of, mm-hmm. like sisterly love. Um, and I appreciate that there's it's a different kind of sister relationship between both movies. Um, but like, they're like they're connected in random ways like um matthew modine is in the original very randomly um and the <laughs> school they go to and this one is the Ma- modine international school for girls i appreciate that shit <laughs> um so yeah weird shit like that but uh-huh. yeah, it's cool it's when great. movies like are like that where they don't directly follow but they kind yeah. of like thematically fit the same i think exactly. it might benefit more franchises if they did that that's what i'm saying and that's exactly what i was talking about earlier with like i know you did the summer of the series is like using that like base premise and building off of it in different ways and i mean clearly the director and the writers have like had a an, another idea they wanted to do of a similar story um and i'm happy they did because they did it better mm-hmm. and so we, yeah, it's a movie's about two sisters. Well, it's it's a weird family dynamic. I think they're stepsisters yeah. technically, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but yeah, they are steps. Um, Mia, the main character, is John Corbett's daughter. Um, and then Sasha, um, is the mom's daughter. And yeah, they're stepsisters. No idea how long they've been together. But Mia's mom is dead. That's mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then it introduces something scarier than the shark attacks that we see on the first movie. It shows um, high school bullying, Heck which yeah. is like terrifying. <laughs> like the girl gets thrown in like a f- swimming pool in front of the school <laughs> and nobody yeah. does anything about it. And I'm like, oh no. my God, like no one's going to do anything. And like her sister just like ignores it and everything. There's just like a really odd tension between the two. Mm-hmm. And uh they decide well i think they were going to do their own thing and then the parents force them to bond and then they um the older sister mia right or is it yeah s- yeah she she has her friends who invite oh no them. sasha sorry sasha so sasha's friends invite her to go hang out at a secret place because they live in mexico right now and mm-hmm. uh and like near the tourist places so they want to get away from the tourist and um it's kind of cool like they find like a bogey like a float like just have like a picnic and like swim in like this like uninhibited like valley and i was like i wasn't doing anything nearly half as cool as these girls were doing in high school (laughs) for real i absolutely had that thought um throughout the movie that i am like a big rule filer i'm terrified of getting in trouble um and all of that i was like a big no the minute they were talking about going and swimming down um i was like your dad will find out and you will get in trouble. I like couldn't. <laughs> I'm so scared of that shit. Um, not that my parents really ever cared, but for some reason, I just am a rule follower. So I was lame in high school. I could have fucking never. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I just didn't have cool enough friends to be like, yo, let's just like hang out yeah. at a raft, you know? And uh, they, so like, it's really cool. Like they're, everyone's bonding and stuff. And then they start mm-hmm. talking about their dads, like excavating work, finding like underground, like an underwater Mayan or Aztec temple. And uh, they, the girl who is like leading everyone said like, oh, I've been in there before. It's really cool. We should go check it out. Cause actually that's where it's there conveniently located where the entrance was on purpose and uh they decide to go check it out which at first i was like okay how bad can this be and uh <laughs> then they start showing the footage of like how tight and crammed that is and i'm like wow that looks really dangerous and at some even like to, in the sake of like risking not being cool i would have been like there's no way in hell this is a good idea absolutely <laughs> not I'm so claustrophobic and this movie is like a full fucking nightmare. <laughs> I like, like, I love the descent. We're talking earlier about like things that are just like carnally terrifying to you. And the descent mm. is one of those movies. And mm. it's because I'm so claustrophobic and it's the same way. And then you add fucking water where I'm deeply terrified of drowning on top of it. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, they have lights and they really don't know where they're going to squeeze through Mm -hmm. like little crevices. And then they go to like the temple, which was like the furthest they were going to go. And then you see underwater statues. And I'm like, you can't see shit. You just run. There's like an underwater statue just right there in front of you, like doing like odd worshiping poses and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, already I'm getting kind of freaked out. Um, But then it's like, you see that little shark or not shark, the uh, little fish. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> I don't even know that thing existed. <laughs> like, it was like, what, what kind of species of fish is that? And I love that, like, little red herring right then and there with that fish. Yeah. Like, it was, like, perfect, like, introduction to, like, the antagonist of the movie. 100%. And it's, like, such a great way, in my opinion, to, like, know what's going on with the shark without, like, having that, like, moment to, like, of exposition dump kind of um while you can before shit gets crazy um so you understand how the shark works mm-hmm. um and i um was looking through letterbox reviews of this because it has like a 2.2 on letterbox which i find disgusting um yeah. and like so many reviews are like the sharks or the shark the uh fish screams so one point one one star i'm like that art that's what you're fucking focusing on i watched this movie twice this week and i didn't even realize like that's it's what are we doing there's this there's this shark two sharks are supposed to theoretically this this part of of the the city that was just an op- like opened and that's why these sharks have come out um john corbett i don't remember the dad's name i'm just gonna call him john corbett um <laughs> has like opened this part so that's why they're there so already just like believe that these two fully grown thick sharks have somehow survived with like no food for how no since ancient times <laughs> like mm-hmm. i and just and you're mad that the fish is screaming fucking move on <laughs> come on so stupid there's so many other like cool things move who cares uh letterbox reviews just like the best and the worst thing you know yes. like sometimes they really convince me to rethink a movie and then it's sometimes mm-hmm. they're like no i'm gonna actually give this a half star now yeah because of agreed <laughs> yeah um but yeah it- my sorry no go go no no go ahead go ahead um, I was just going to say my other like big thing that I saw in Letterboxd reviews was um, the acting, which I thought was absolutely insane. Oh, and the cinematography, which the cinematography, I loved the cinematography in this. The mm-hmm. I know there's an abundance of slow motion shots and I do not care. I love every single one of them. I think that's what was missing in the first movie. For real. Like I, there's not to like completely skip ahead to like the end, but the shot mm-hmm 
of Mia shooting the flare gun with the shark has, has Sasha in his mouth. Like that sequence, that entire slow motion sequence is beautiful. It is mm-hmm. so fucking good. I love it. Um, and then the acting, like, first of all, I don't, um, I know Sistine Stallone is in it. Um, she's fine. I don't have strong opinions about her. I think Sasha is also good. Um, but Mia is, um, uh, well, I can't think of her name. Uh, Sophie Nelise. I'm sure I did not pronounce that correctly. Um, and she plays Shauna in Yellow Jackets, which is one of the best horror shows of <laughs> the past couple years. She's so good in it. Um, and then Brian Chu, who plays Alexa or Alexis. I honestly wrote it down both ways in my notes, so I don't remember. Um, like I said, is in, I know he did last summer, the series and also the Scream series. And she oh, is awesome. by, by far one of my favorite working actors today. Um, and she, I absolutely care about her character so much. She's so, mm-hmm. something about her is just so captivating to me. And again, this might be an instance of just like, I love this actor. So anything she does, I think is stellar. But like, <laughs> just she's, I don't know, something about her I just think is great. No, I, I think the actor was good. Also, they're like high schoolers. Yeah. So like, if they're like afraid, I mean, th- I think that's so justifiable. Like, agreed. And the cinematography is good because it's like, it's a movie that takes place underwater. Like there's going to be a level of work and effort that has to be put into making this movie like by default, uh, just based on the type of movie it is. And I agree this, I think the slow motion stuff was peak. Like I, it's funny, it was slow motion, but my heart was racing so fast during those moments, especially like when, um, they're stuck in the little gorge and they're trying to like climb back up and it's all slow motion i was like like that was the movie for me i was just like yeah whoo like that is good stuff and like the cinematography shows the contrast of the surface and underwater perfectly during those sequences i don't i mean again i haven't seen too many shark movies but i know a lot of times they focus on the underwater aspects more or if they're above ground not being able to see what the hell's below them and that's part of the fear but in this movie it shows you everything and it's like puts them in helpless situations and that's what's scary about it yeah and like i i think that um yeah they're teenagers and i think that's a good point because they make stupid decisions um uh, first of all going in the cave in the first place um Mm. (laughs) was a stupid decision but like um nicole uh uh sistine sloan's character is like very impulsive she's the reason she like goes to like touch the fish which why the fuck would you ever do that and like causes a (laughs) pillar to fall and like all this shit like she causes the domino effect of them being trapped in there essentially um and then she is the cause of her death essentially um because she uh oh we'll get there um but i I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that again. I'm so sorry. My train of thought keeps going everywhere. I have so many thoughts about this. Well, tell me about like the shark introduction. Like when you saw this movie the first time, I mean, I don't remember the trailers like perpetuating what kind of shark it was going to be, but I mean, it's a fucking like blind shark that like uses like sonar of some sort. Yeah. So, like- so I, um, I know in the trailers, you did know that it was like an albino kind of albino. shark. Um, I think so. I think. I, I, if I recall correctly, you knew that in the trailer. Um, and I think that the shark is so good. 
I, I think, um, I like that it's not ever super fast, first of all, because it's uh, been living in this like city with a bunch of corners and sharp passageways. Um, mm-hmm. So it never like is going that fast after them, which I think is a great um, way for it to act. But the CG specifically, I think it's teeth. Um, every time it had a good close up of its mouth and its teeth it looked really, really good, which made me think that the body like it is supposed to look like that. Like it, it's not bad CGI. Like it, the shark is supposed to look that like kind of un, like not real, like uh, kind of uncanny valley about it. Um, and I think, and I, I, so I think that complaint, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, and I think the jump scares with the shark are so, so well done. Um, <laughs> I jumped so many times. And so I, again, I watched this twice this week. Um, I had seen it before though. So some of the jumps I I remembered, but most of them fucking absolutely got me. And then when I watched it again, a couple of them still got me, even when I knew where they were. Um, I just think they're so well done. And the it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think the shark is is actively, well, there's two, but so who knows how many, which ones you see. But I it's so actively there. I don't know like it, it has a it's good the movie does a good job of not showing it too much but mm-hmm. not being like a jaws where you're not seeing it really at all until the climax yeah and it has such a presence to it because like i yeah. could have swore there were times like long shots of them swimming where it's like oh there's gonna be the shark popping up right then and there and it doesn't but like you know that the danger is there and they're like standing around or they're swimming around. They're like, okay, well, we don't know where to go. And I'm like, fuck that. Figure out where to go because the shark can literally pop up anywhere. And it's like, that's when I knew the movie got me in like in this world and in this like situation, because it's like my whole time, my, my mind kept, kept thinking was like, how are you even swimming right now? Because like the shark could yeah. literally pop up and you wouldn't even know. Like the first kill, it literally pulls up out of nowhere. And it's a brutal first death. It definitely sets fuck the tone yeah, for the is. type of movie it's going to be. And I didn't even see that happening. And I was, I just laughed. Cause I was like, yo, we got ourselves a fucking movie here. Like let's Heck go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And like, I, um, something that I was thinking about, cause you mentioned like how the like sonar, like the, the, um, sound waves of like how the sharks track. Um, something I thought about this most recent watch, um, was the, um, like tone of people talking because so uh i think because uh the first death is i think his name's ben um and he has like a lower register voice um same with the second guy who dies and same with john corbett um and the thing that like sets them off is the really like high frequency um flashing thing um so i just found it interesting that the lower register voices uh seem to like lower registry seem to attract the shark more than the higher register which may have helped the girls um mm. i just thought that was interesting maybe i'm giving them too much credit but i think <laughs> that is an interesting aspect of it i thought i thought I, I couldn't believe like when they were like excavating he had music playing while he was working and i was like i didn't know you could do that kind of work under underwater and then it's like how do you not get like freaked out like being in this black and it was a really eerie setting for the for that yeah. scene because he's like has like the the chainsaw or whatever or electrical rod and he's buzzing through something but he's surrounded by a bunch of statues in pitch black yeah and music just pl- playing in the background and then the music's gone and it's like it's kind of like fuck no after that for me. It's like I'm I'm just getting the fuck out. But he was brave enough to kind of like you know investigate it, and uh, 
like again, this movie has like really great moments where of uncertainty because like a part of it could have been like maybe someone is playing a joke on him. I could totally see this yeah. movie having that, but then it just goes in on. I love it where it cuts to what's happening to him, and then it cuts to what the girls are doing before they yeah. enter in. It's so good. Like it just and it it just like, paces so well that way. Absolutely agreed. And it's a. I think that death is my favorite. My my biggest example of PG thirteen horror working well um because it's uh like cut a lot but it's lit up with the flashing red light um so you get those like quick flashes of what's happening and it's it's lit up in that creepy eerie red so you don't Mm -hmm. like see the blood so they get away with that like and it's it just works so well um and you don't really see anything except the aftermath of his head later um (laughs) like so and it's like and it is so effective Mm -hmm. i yeah like i think the kills in this are just so and like the the first guy that we were talking about he kills he he kills he dies so so suddenly and out of nowhere and it's um rough (laughs) it's like such a again a good jump scare that because you know the shark is coming obviously you're here for a shark movie but Mm -hmm. it was just such a great point for i think the shark to finally show up and i think it was smart like you talked about like how it is called 47 meters down um on cage and stuff so like the title kind of insinuates what the movie's going to be about like 47 meters below you know down like of course you're gonna literally descend that low in the first movie right yeah and in this one i was like are they actually gonna go that deep down again and like try to get out of it but like you know they just don't have a cage to protect them but instead it's like it's kind of like completely different so like i really didn't know what was ever going to happen every single time like they would go to a different you know part of like the underwater temple or like you know what was going on with the shark and stuff like that so it's like a really uneven movie in terms of like you can't really guess what was going to happen a lot of the times because like this movie like didn't have any quote-unquote rules you know like i didn't mm-hmm. feel like anyone was safe and like there was more dangerous than just the shark obviously because they're battling you know their oxygen which i think was a great premise great yeah um, in the first part i think this movie executes it better the whole and like doing like in like you know foreshadowing like if you need to breathe like you need to go up that could be like your last breath and stuff um and this movie kind of like beat for beat accomplishes those as the movie goes on and on. But like, as you go on and on, you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think this movie really kind of accomplishes that, especially because like the title, like if you made a title called 47 meters below two, um, it'd be boring if they literally went to descended that below again, you know what I yeah. mean? It just would get definitely boring. um yeah I definitely agree and I think one of so uh one of the things that I think it does great especially compared to the first one um is at the end of act two when they think that moment of hope when they think that they have gone out and they um are above above the water and are in I don't know this like cliff area and the only way up is this one rope that they have to like pull themselves up and within like five minutes the shark have sharks have come and are circling them um, and like, just like that, like one moment of hope, uh, like re like resurges the movie for me in the third act. Like mm-hmm. I, it's not like the same stuff every time. Like we're, we're now dealing with a different situation and a different, um, issue. And then when they go back underwater, they're going to be dealing with a dis- different issue as well, because now you have like the currents to deal about, deal with mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I just thought it was just such a perfect thing to do in that movie, um, to break up like not that it was monotonous in the first place but to break up the monotony of the underwaterness of it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the current so 
I was like, what, how, I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb and I didn't pay attention in science class. But like seeing how the current was that fierce and that violent, I was like, how the hell are they going to just like even get out of it? You know, yeah. you get some suspended belief there, which is fine. But like, then you see how one of the girls dies because of the current with the sharks. And I was like, God, that fucking sucks. Dude. Like I was like one of the most unforgiving deaths, you know, but it was her, her fault, you know, technically, oh, yeah. her, you know, the entire time this movie was kind of like her own undoing, but I got to give her credit. Like they were like, here's a really shitty situation. And now here's an even shittier situation. You know, it's like yeah. one after the other. For real, for real. Um, And like you mentioned earlier, how like, uh, kind of like Chekhov's guns that are placed throughout the movie, like I think all come to fruition really well. Um, and like one of like um, Branchu's character just like weeping about how she's gonna drown down there, and then she mm-hmm. drowns. And it's just like those like little things, or even like the the shark tooth in the the beginning. Um, I mm-hmm. kind of completely forgot about the shark tooth on my first watch until she like used it at the very end, um, which I really enjoyed. And like. <laughs> Um, not to like go back to the first act, but I think the first act did um, a really good job of setting up the fin- family dynamic in that um, you know that Mia is going to come out of this without her dad. And there's a really good scene with her stepmom, like talking about how like you're my daughter and like they seem to have a really nice relationship, even if Mia and Sasha didn't at the beginning. Um, so I appreciated um, the like family dynamic setup of the first act, um, oh. knowing how it ends. Yeah, 100%. This movie, I think, has way more heart than the first one yeah um and then i actually felt so bad for the dad mm-hmm. on, on how he exits mm-hmm. the movie one of the most like uns like i don't know it was just so weird it was like it's something i just did not expect to happen at all i thought he was gonna be the person who like goes in to try to help him at the end to rescue them yeah but the way he just kind of dips it's like <laughs> well- <laughs> so I know I literally just said like 10 minutes ago that I hate when stuff homages other movies because they did it better. I, this is very much, you know, ripping off the Samuel Jackson and Deep Blue Sea like motivational speech and then he dies. I don't care how many times shark movies do it. I love it every single time. (laughs) It works for me every single time. Like you guys got it. We're going to get out of here and then just like fucking dies. And it's like, especially when I had watched it the first time like John Corbett was the name for me in that movie he was the only actor other than Brian Shu that I knew um so I was like oh, f- fucking Brian like for, sorry fucking John Corbett is dying like what is this um and I loved it it was great brutal that's like but- that's the best part of that movie is just that whole sequence of them because one it's like really gross and sad that these girls were friends but like given a dire situation they kind of abandoned each other you know mm-hmm. and climbing that rope Oh, yeah, I hated that part so much. But then you get in recipe, you know, the sharks are literally underneath them and they don't know when they're just going to come up and just rip them to shreds. And to me, that was just as scary, if anything else. And it's like, it's funny because it's such a scary moment, but the setting was so beautiful. Like the water looks really nice. The cliffs look good. The grass and the, it's like, wow, this looks like a really nice vacation spot, but it's also like, you could fucking die, you know? Yeah, for real. It was so gorgeous. And then like, once they decide they have to go back under and it's a shot of like the three of them, like descending with the red flashing light, literally, how can somebody watch this movie and say the cinematography was bad? Or like, you're Mm -hmm. crazy. Like Mm -hmm. that was such a gorgeous shot. And then it leads into like the flashing light, the jump scare, with the, the shark with the jaws open like with the oh my god that's such a great so scene good. it's like and again like i know i still jumped with that because i know it's coming in one of those flashes and so does everybody else but like it it pushes it long enough that it it gets you still it's and it doesn't feel cheap none of them feel like cheap jump scares to me 
Yeah, it's like James Wan's Aquaman in that moment, you know, where like <laughs> Arthur Curry like goes down and all those demon underwater monsters are chasing him in that one yeah. slow-mo part. Nobody had a problem with that. That's the best part of Aquaman. But like in this yeah. movie, they, they're going to they're gonna complain about it. But um, yeah, that scene was really good. The things they did with the flares were really smart. Yeah. Um, and then it's weird. This movie at the near the end when the, the, the sisters escape, which one I was like, it was like they just could not escape you know it's like yeah. oh my air my oxygen tank you go okay well i need to take this off i can't take it off well let me go back down and grab you i'm like they're never gonna get out of here they just For can't real. and then when it they was... finally do and when they finally do i'm just like oh good they got like safe look at the beautiful outdoors it's it's great and i thought that was the movie at that point yeah which <laughs> it just like was it... like it was like no you're fucking wrong like this isn't the end i like I love the ending. I think the Mm -hmm. ending is so fucking ridiculous in, like, the best way. It is, again, like, the excess (laughs) that I absolutely love to see in movies. Like, it is, like, these girls just went through all of this, and they finally come out, and then they get attacked by just regular sharks and it's the uh, i don't know i just love the sasha going and then mia also getting attacked by the shark it's just like <sighs> god it's so much and it just like never stops i just i love i don't know i loved it mm-hmm. the fact that there was the ship they were supposed to be on to see the sharks mm-hmm. and they're dumping all the stuff to draw in the sharks it was like those things. So it's like, I told knowing my dumbass luck, if this was me, this would be happening too. So yeah. I didn't think for a second, it was like, Oh, like they're just adding dramatic suspense to it. It was like, no, like this totally would fucking happen right here and now. And it was just, how do they even get out? Of- I thought it was going to end. Like just one of like those dark endings where just like, they have to swim through the pool of blood to get to the safety and to see the sharks yeah. all around. I was like, <sighs> and then they actually go into it and it's like, Holy shit. It's like, some of the best like shark moments that I've seen on film. Uh, and it just kind of put a stamp of approval for me in that third act or the final act even um, because like no one was helping the sisters like try to escape. Oh or my survive. God. Yeah. <laughs> it was killing me, especially like when Mia, like at, at the very end after she had been bit was like going back in and they were all just like clumped up at the water. It's like, come on, come on. I'm like, I understand not wanting to risk your life with a shark, but like, holy shit, somebody do something, mm-hmm. throw her a line, anything. It was killing me that they were all like, yeah, come on, you can do it. She's like just yeah. been bit by a fucking shark. Somebody help her. <laughs> I like how, I don't know if this is in all shark movies, but in the fir- these first two movies, at least, I really enjoy how a shark bite or when they get attacked by sharks and they get bit or something, it's not necessarily always the most dire, you know, because mm-hmm. that is believable. Like not every like shark attack means you're dead. Like maybe you just have like bruises or you lose a limb or something and you're still good. And this movie kind of accomplishes that and showing like when they were getting attacked at the end, I was like, oh my God, she's fucking dead. I'm like, oh wait, but it's just holding her in her mouth and trying to crush her, you know? And I'm like, yeah. I kind of like that because it's like, you never know if someone's actually going to die or not. Yeah. I super appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, It's like one of those things where, because like it comes with like the idea that like sharks don't want to eat people, but they're just like, think swimming things in a, a, a sea of chum um so <laughs> i think like that's like i think a lot of why they didn't eat either of them or like have uh, injuries that like have took chunks out or something like that because they just the sharks bit them because they thought they were food and are realizing they're not kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah and i like i i don't know because i don't always love um 
the thing in shark movies of like somebody being in the jaws of the shark and then surviving but for some reason this movie it really works for me I don't I think of like um Jaws the Revenge which is one of the worst movies of all time to me um and like Jay I think is the character's name that happens to him but I think it's more because he doesn't come back for like 20 minutes he's just like gone from the movie until it's like oh my god never mind I'm alive it's kind of like, like a, I hate it. yeah it's kind of like a slasher movies like where if like somebody gets attacked like they go one-on-one with uh, the slasher and then like it just cuts and you just hear like screaming, but then they end up showing up in the third act and like they're yeah. all beat to hell. They just finally survive, you know, to like help out the main pe- characters. It's kind of like that in that way. But instead yeah. of that, it's like the main characters are the ones in their that own situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, it's really, I, it's really interesting because I think with shark movies, especially the thing that I am realizing as we talk about which, uh, talk about them. I, I like fun shark movies. I don't like serious shark movies, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's like why I love like Jaws 3 because that's not, it's not a good movie. I'm in no way saying it's a good movie, but if I'm like sitting down to watch Jaws, like a Jaws movie, I'll probably put on Jaws 3 because I think it's fun and stupid. Um, but like Jaws the Revenge is like a serious drama. She's dealing with like the grief of her son and also having telekinetic powers with the shark and it's stupid. Um, but like, or like the reef is a shark movie that i really am not a fan of um it now that it's bad um i think a lot of my dislike of it comes with the fact that it's based on a true story and they take a lot of liberties with what actually happened um in a way that i don't appreciate but um it's like the ending is just like so dour and like rough and like same with like open water um is just like really rough those aren't like shark movies that i enjoy (laughs) i like shark movie i like 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 Sharknado type movies or like The Shallows uh-huh. is like more of a, a more dramatic kind of shark movie. It's not as fun, but um, like Lively is so good in that movie that I it works. You're naming all these shark movies that I totally forgot about. But when you say the tone, I'm like, I kind of remember the movie poster for this movie, but I just yeah. never had seen them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead, I, mean, I was are... going to see The Meg. <laughs> you know? uh, I mean, listen, I enjoy The Meg. Um, there's supposed to be a sequel and I'm kind of waiting for it I'm like gonna watch it (laughs) Um, I like it's it's, again it's like one of those shark movies where I like don't really care um, what it is Mm -hmm. I just think it's a fun shark movie Um, and sometimes I just like to watch sharks um, kill people Um, (laughs) I don't know there's really nothing more to it to me most of the time sometimes I just like it's just fun especially I just like creative things I think even mm-hmm. like it's why I like the first Sharknado, which sounds so stupid after like all of the other Sharknados. But like the first Sharknado, there was a reason it was like a cultural phenomenon. Like it's f- so fun um, and it's so weird and stupid. And like he literally like chainsaws himself out of a shark. Like that's stupid and it's fun to watch. Um, and then it gets done to death in the sequels, obviously. But there's something, you know, fun to watch about that. Mm-hmm. it's kind of i feel like shark movies the more you're telling me about them and like the like the trends of shark movies and what happens to them eventually it kind of sounds like the same situation that zombie the zombie genre mm. of horror kind of had to go through and navigate because we've get we've gotten you know zombie movies as long as jaws you know and, yeah. and these shark movies and some were really good and some were very serious uh and then we get the remakes you know but then we yeah never really got the fun ones until zombie land you know but then every but then every movie wanted to be zombie land in some way and i'm just kind of like you where i like the zombie diaries one and two and i like Mm -hmm. you know 
the the Romero, you know, sh- shitty sequels, like those are kind of fun. Like after the third one, they're kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think the shark, I'm starting to see sort of similarities with like the zombie genre with the shark genre. Um, I think the, the shark genre has succeeded with like this movie, obviously being in 2019, um, the Meg and stuff. But I, I can't remember anything for the zombie genre that's kind of made it like come out of its own, get out of its own way because of The Walking Dead is really what it is. Um, yeah. But I mean, what warm bodies is like, that's not going to be the movie. I'm going to say that that really saved the zombie, the the zombie genre. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think the zombie genre is such an interesting subgenre of horror to look at Um, because yeah, it has been around forever and there's been so many different variations of it. And like when it's been popular and like, yeah, what zombie land was 2009 um, and Mm -hmm. walking dead was 2010. Right. It Mm -hmm. like happened like very back to back. Um, and created like such an uh, oversaturation of zombie stuff. Um, but none of it, I think none of it really stood out, uh, especially in the early, like the early 2010s, because they were all doing, trying to do the same thing of doing, like trying to copy this massive appeal of whatever the zombie movie was. I think of like World War Z or something, which like mm. it doesn't understand the appeal of zombie movies. That movie in general, I haven't read the book. So no appeal, no opinions about the book, but um, but like something like Train to Busan, for instance, yes. um, in the later part of the 2010s really uh, did something different and which is why it has stood the test of time um, of the zombie genre, which is again, so oversaturated. Um, yeah, I think, um, my favorite zombie ones are the ones that like same as shark ones are that go different. Um, like uh, Anna, Anna and the Apocalypse is one of my favorite zombie mm. movies of recent <laughs> times because it's just like weird and different. And like same with like Santa Jaws is a top notch uh, shark movie of recent <laughs> time, which sounds stupid. But like I have watched it two Christmases in a row because it's like <laughs> legit such a fun Christmas shark movie. Um, I don't know. Like it's, you know, little... Uh, um, I don't know, like little random bright spots in the, in the genres that, um, do something different, um, in a genre, especially sharks, uh, with the sci-fi, with sci-fi, the sci-fi vacation of the shark movie. Oh, There's yeah. so much. They um, had like a chokehold on that genre. <laughs> exactly. Like it's so oversaturated that like, I definitely think a lot of shark movies have a, a stigma of being a like sci-fi shark movie. Um, when a lot of them, you know, their substance they just don't have the budget a lot of the mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. i think you know it, maybe it's a testament to this movie but ever since the the 2022 texas chainsaw massacre movie came out whenever i see movies that came up before it so like this movie especially i had this kind of like this feeling i'm stressed out with the ending because i don't know what's going to happen with the ending sometimes mm-hmm. so like you know obviously the end of that movie with the chainsaw being thrown you know <laughs> yeah and in this movie they're fighting fucking sharks to survive. And a part of me is like wondering like, are they going to actually survive? Or is this just going to get cut to black in some aspect? Because like, I, I mean, when movies kind of give a hint that that might happen, like t- this movie did, um, I think that adds more to like its lasting power because it's like, you're not really fully done with the ride. You know, it's kind of like yeah. when you come down the, the roller coaster and you make the turn, you're like, okay, I'm actually, I'm already done. I'm about to get off the, the, the you know, the, uh, the roller coaster, but then it, instead starts cranking you back up instead is what it kind of feels like. And I really enjoy that. Definitely. I definitely, I, I love, 
yeah I love that it just like never stopped it never really like slowed down in the final act um mm-hmm. it was it just went like in crazy set piece to crazy set piece like over and over once like um once Sasha went down and and got sucked by the current and everything like pretty much them then to the end like really um I I just think like never never really stops and gives you a second and like talking going back to that point and like talking again about um the variety of like death scenes um in this movie because like yeah uh we got three just like general shark deaths of all like the random male side characters um and then Sistine Stallone's character gets um log rolled by two sharks mm-hmm. um which like do sharks do that i thought that was like a crocodile or an alligator thing um i thought that was like a lake placid take right there. yeah that's like i remember it being a thing in like crawl um that movie like they're them talking about them doing that but i love don't crawl. remember crawl is so fucking good i love yeah. crawl so much <laughs> um it's a fucking banger i yeah. saw that one in theaters and i'm very happy i saw that one in same um, it was like a re- i was sweating it was like a religious ceremony or something for so me so good was- i fucking mm-hmm. love um, but yeah, it's, 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 um, yeah. So that point, um, I just, Brianne Shu is why I wanted to bring up this point. Um, because she drowns, um, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, and I think her drowning is one of the most horrifying, horrifying things of this movie. Um, Shit. I, um, so something that I appreciate about these movies and most people would not appreciate this is that, it, um, they respect, uh, MTV actors, um so like i've already mentioned Brianchu obviously was in the scream series um but in the first one one of the guys that invites them to the boat uh is also in the scream series so he plays stavo um and then the um one guy down there the second guy that dies in this uh-huh. one um, yep, yep, played yep. mason and teen wolf um and i love that <laughs> um uh. so just like one of those random things that i'm like i appreciate them seeing the good of these actors um but yeah i and i think branchu especially is just as i mentioned it's very charismatic and um just pulls you in in a way that i think is perfect for that her character in this and is something that's like present in her character um in scream and it's what makes that character Mm-hmm. works so well in that show without spoiling anything about it right and it's cool like these act these actors are all like they were making their works in like iconic t- uh, ip titles you know mm-hmm. that in, on tv and then they're doing like their own they're doing like honestly i'm gonna say they make they're making big budget movies like this movie made a lot of money yeah like, yeah it was like a 12 million dollar budget it made over 100 million dollars like yeah. <laughs> i mean you know how many actors like young actors can say like they did that with a shark movie you know what I mean? For real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you talk about like Jenna Ortega and stuff like that, which oh, she's, God, gr- she's yeah. great too. But I mean, you know, some of these other actors who probably aren't as big of a star as dumb yet, as her yet, you know, like they can yeah. still have that, that bragging right to me. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, so I, um, uh, am really excited about Madison Eisman, um, being in an episode of, uh, American Horror Stories coming out mm. soon um, because she was in I Know What You Did last summer, this series with um, Brianne Chu. Um, and she, her and Brianne Chu really carried that show. I'm going to really, really, really quickly sell this show because um, I just think it deserves to be watched and it <laughs> frustrates me that nobody did. Um, first of all, it's a very queer show for the six main characters are queer. Um, just important to know. And as, uh, as a queer person, somebody telling me that something is gay uh, is more appealing for me to watch. Um, so, <laughs> first off or right off the bat um but the acting between Branchu and Madison Eisman really carries that entire show they 
really sell everything that's going on. Madison and I have been specifically plays twins um, and does a great job of like having a distinction between the two when she plays them. Um, and it's just, it's just uh, an interesting woven story um, with a great twist in my opinion um, that really ties together. Um, but like Branchu is uh, one of the main characters and she is a big reason I think of why that show works so well. Cause she has to do so much. Um, and like, I feel that way um, about the actress that plays Mia um, in Yellow Jackets, that entire cast is amazing. But like, just knowing that two actors from this movie really are central points in two of my personal favorite horror shows of last year, um, I just think really shows like the test of time of the acting in this. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that made sense. I just really no. love Branch. <laughs> yeah, and like, not that, um, so I also will say it's a very Gen Z show. So if that sounds off-putting to you, just know that. I mean, <laughs> I'm the youngest for my friends and like the lingo right. I say, like I got to give them an urban dictionary for. Got it. Um, <laughs> so it's just like a, a very young skewing show, which I think put a lot of people off again of watching it, but it's worth it. Um, but yeah, uh, Madison Eisman, I, so the twins are Lennon and Allison and like, um, Lennon is like a party or and the bad girl and does drugs and like has sex to feel and like that kind of stuff and Allison's very sad um their mom killed themselves when they were kids um and there's just like a lot of issues and there's just like just though even the way she speaks like her the the like um the set of her jaw when she plays Lennon is different like when you watch Mm. it it sounds weird (laughs) um but like I noticed it uh again that's not an original thought uh jordan cruciello po- pointed that out on the austerian podcast um but when i've watched the show like three times um <laughs> I-, I think it's fantastic um and i i've noticed it more and more every time um i watch it how stellar the acting is and i'm very excited to see her on american horror stories because i also thought that was a fantastic season of television that nobody watched last year it's crazy aaron you keep saying you rewatch the same things but then you're mentioning a bunch of different things you also <laughs> watched it's like yeah it seems like I watch a lot more than I do when in reality, oh. like most of this year, I just watched Survivor. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I, I do tend to like um, latch on to specific things and re- I'm a rewatcher. I don't understand how people aren't. I rewatch the same shit over and over and over again until I beat it yeah. to death. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally, uh, I'm with you there. And I think a lot of horror fans are like that too. That's how some of these movies get like that status. Um, but other than that, Aaron, do you have like anything else you want to talk about with the 47 meters down? Um, um, gosh, let me double check my notes and see if I had anything of importance to say. I'm pretty sure I hit all of the main things that I wanted to say. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think that was all of my stuff. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, I really enjoyed talking to you about it because it was, um, I was really trying, like a couple of my friends like who saw it, they did see it. it was in theaters. They like did like a double where it was like the theater was playing Jaws and then this, you know, they were like 47 oh. meters down on a cage was crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. And okay. I'm like, I wish I got to see this movie in theaters. You know, I saw it at home, but um, it was really good. So I was like, I really want to talk about it with them, but I just wanted to hold off before the podcast. So um, I'm really glad you put this movie on my radar because it's like one of those movies um, where it's like I probably wouldn't watch unless I had to for a, yeah. an, like a podcast and I end up really liking it like this is going to be like a rotation movie you know for me nice. so I might rewatch it in October 
for all I know, because like, it's just really entertaining. And it's a sequel movie that can stand on its own where you don't have to mm-hmm. watch the first movie. And honestly, not many sequels can do that. Like you think about maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you know, you know, uh, Friday the 13th after, you know, a couple of times, like if you watch six, you don't have to watch the first one ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think those movies, that's, that's the sweet spot of like horror movies is when they are a sequel. They, you don't have to watch the first one to like get away. Cause like my, my dumb ass is like, Oh, I already seen the first one to death. I know. And I want a sequel, but now part of me feels like I have to like go through each movie just to get to the one I actually want to watch, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree. It's like the hardest thing with Star Wars. It's like I could easily watch Return of the Jedi whenever I want, but it's like, oh, I might as well just go through fourth, For five, real? and six. But then it's like, oh, well, now I gotta watch one, two. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, that. I got it. It always goes <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. But this one, you don't have to, which is great. So I yeah. really appreciate you like putting this on my radar. And like, I mean, you delivered. I really like this movie a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy to put it on your radar. I'm happy mm-hmm. to have more people see it. Yep. Now I'm going to have to get like more shark movies under my belt just so like I can, you know, like say I'm a fan of the genre because like I've only seen like three shark movies in my life. Oh, wow. That's so wild. Yeah, definitely. Because there, mm-hmm. there's some fun ones definitely out there. Yeah. Um, but Aaron, if people want to follow your hot take thoughts and listen and, and read your um, your articles as well, where can people find you? Where, where can they reach out? Yeah, so um, my Twitter is Aaron McGurk. It's E R I N M C C G U R K. Um, I post there um, pretty frequently, um, and then you can also follow me on Letterboxd um, with the same username, same spelling. Um, and yeah, I have a couple of articles over on Certified Forgotten, um, as well as on the Underscene. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. I definitely recommend people check out her stuff. Um, the tweets are pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I aspire. Usually I end up becoming more of a troll than anything else. And it's like, <laughs> but with yours, it's pretty good. So nice. definitely recommend people check out Aaron's works there. And then if you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter at inside sequel. You can follow me as always at Hertastic underscore Chris. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel Hertastic reviews as well. Um, but other than that, Aaron, again, thank you so much for coming back for coming on here. And I can't wait to have you back on again, um, to talk about more sequels. Uh, the bring it on franchise is like one that's I've been told I need to check out. So maybe I might have you on there. Um, I know we talked about others in the, in the chat too. So I'm looking really excited to have you back on again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. But other than that, if you are a fan of the show, uh, don't forget to like, share with your friends, give us a couple comments. You want to uh, email the show um, at sequelpod at gmail.com for some reviews or recommendations. Totally let us know there. But other than that, um, get ready for next week's episode where we have Matt Bledsoe and we're talking about uh, Predators with Adrian Brody. So get excited for that. But other than that, my name is Chris at Inside the Sequel. And remember, if you aren't watching shark movies, do you really care about cinema? Other than that, we'll see you next time.